Hello, this is the Loud City Views podcast. This is Jason Batacchio. I am your host for today's episode, our very first episode. Um, and we're being joined today by the one and only Colby Turner. Colby, say what's up. Hey, what's up, guys? How you doing? I'm doing all right. Extremely bored in this quarantine. How about you? Uh, yeah, I'm not. I'm basically the same. Clean my room today again for what it seems like the third time. Uh, I watched, I finished All American yesterday. Uh-huh. Um, it was pretty good. You should go check that out if you want to. Um, yeah, basically, I've just been watching Netflix, been doing a yep. lot of boring stuff, trying to be somewhat productive in all of this. And then I got off the house today. I went to go to PetSmart to get my dog dog food. So that was probably oh, the most oh, interesting fine. thing I've done in two weeks. So yeah. Yeah. Nice. Alrighty. Yeah. Yeah. Alrighty. So in today's episode, we're going to be talking about four main topics. Um, the first topic we're talking about is draft candidates for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Um, right now, the first round pick for Oklahoma City is kind of in question whether or not the Nuggets are going to get it. I, I think right now, with the way it would be, the Nuggets would get uh, the Thunder's first round draft pick for this year. Um, so... Basically, they would either have to trade up or get a pick in this year's draft if they wanted a draft in the first round. But uh, we're going to go through our candidates for today. So, Colby, I'll let you go first. All right. I'm going on the side of if OKC does have their first-round pick or if they do trade up to have a first-round selection in this. Because, okay. if we're being honest, nobody really notices many second-round picks for the most part anyway. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so one dude I was looking at is Jamarius Ramsey out of Texas Tech. He's a 6'4", 18-year-old. Uh, and he shot 43% of clip from three this past season at Tech. Okay. So it looks like he doesn't, he's not the biggest because he's only 6'4", 195, so he's pretty skinny-wise. Yeah. But he doesn't need to be that big whenever you're pairing him with somebody like Shea also at the guard position. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you have a 6'5", six, 6'6", six, six, Whatever what Shay is, I can't exactly remember off the top of my head. You don't necessarily need that much size next to him to match him. You really mm-hmm. need shooting with Shay because he yeah. can shoot the three, but he is not a pull up from three kind of player. Yeah, he's developing that part of his game right now. Hopefully, fingers crossed. Yeah, <laughs> his shot is it, a good shot, but it's just it's a slow release, so he's not necessarily going to mm-hmm. be like a catch and shoot or pull up on yeah. somebody player. Yeah, for sure. Um, and the second guy I was looking at was Jordan Enwara out of Louisville. He is okay. 6'7", a forward. Um, and he's also another shooter because I believe that's what OKC needs the most right now. Um, Shooting, yeah. Yeah. He averaged through three years of college, he averaged 40%. Uh, hit 43 his freshman year, and then 37, then 40 a senior year. So, right around 40 for his whole career. Um, that's from three, not from the field. 44% the last two years, and 46 his freshman year from the field. Yeah. So, pretty good, uh, pretty efficient for the most part. Can, I mean, not much of a distributor. Only averaging one assist per game the last two years. Okay. But yeah. 44% from three, or from the field, and 40% from three, while averaging 18 is a pretty good mark. I feel yeah. like for a late yeah. first round draft pick to get to, and yeah. seven rebounds that always helps. Yeah, I I feel like one thing from this year. I mean, I I feel like shooting is a need for us, but like it's crazy because we have a somewhat decent shooting team, and everyone that I've talked to is like, "Wow, Oklahoma City's really good at shooting this year," and I'm just like, "No, we're not like amazing at shooting. We just have people that can shoot the ball somewhat. It's not like." Yeah last year where we're just straight athletes and yeah, everyone's shooting 30% from the field. Yeah, exactly. So because nobody's really used to OKC being able to shoot at all anymore. Yeah. I mean, because Sam Presti, every year that he's drafted, or all the candidates that he does go for in, like, free agency are usually hyper-athletic and can't shoot. So, yeah, so, yeah, we've seen that with Mohamed Diallo. Um, <laughs> yeah. Andre Roberson. Oh, Terrence yeah. Ferguson can so much shoot. No, he's supposed uh, to be a three-point player, but he doesn't. Yeah, I mean, you 
You could even put Russell Westbrook in that category. Oh, no, Westbrook <laughs> is a perfect candidate of that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Alrighty. Well, um, on that note, I'll get to my candidates. So um, the first candidate was actually, uh, I discovered him from Nick Crane. Um, Nick Crane from Forbes. He's on the Uncontested podcast. Go check out his Twitter. Um, He tweeted out, like, I think it was a week ago. uh, He basically said that Oklahoma City was interested in this player in the draft. Um, He's a guard from Stanford. He's a freshman, so he'd be a one-and-done player. His name's Tyrell Terry. Um, I was not aware of him at all going into any of this but he's six foot two he's 160 and the man has a strap on him I watched a lot of his tape um he I mean he's it's kind of scary to like compare people to Stephen Curry but like the dude was pulling the dude was pulling up from like like the midpoint of the logo like he's he's a really good pull-up shooter um his size is kind of iffy um, I know he would be a terrible defender, but, like, he reminds me a lot of, like, what Jason Terry was back when he was in his heyday, but with a lot more shooting and ball handling. So that's something. So maybe um, Trey Young. Yeah. Um, the Draft Express um, describes him as an elite shooter with a quick and high release, and he's really good off of screens. Um, he's somebody that you can kind of pair with Shea as I think that we should all take in a note because like Shea's the centerpiece of the future. So we're looking towards pairing somebody with him. So like, yeah. uh, you can have somebody that can take off the load of managing, you know, the ball handling duties with yeah. Shea. Um, but he's, he's definitely a possibility to be like a game changing shooter, somewhat like Curry or like Jason Terry or CJ McCollum. But he averaged 40.8% from three on 152 attempts, and he averaged 14.6 points per game. And he's a really good free throw shooter as well. So, you know, really good, really good fundamental shooter. And I feel like he could have a lot more um, ability in playmaking as well. Um, But my second guy, um, I don't really know how to pronounce his name. It's like Obi Tobin. It kind of reminds me of Obi-Wan. Because of Obi, <laughs> that's definitely the nickname if he comes to <laughs> Yeah, Obi Wan. <laughs> uh, but um, this would definitely be a trade up scenario because I feel like Obi is probably either going to go in the top ten or top five, depending on uh, the the lottery order. But Obi Tobin's, uh, I think he's a six foot nine athlete. Um, he's six foot nine. He's really like streaky as an athlete. Um, he's a decent playmaker and scorer, but I really like his game because he kind of fits the Presti mold. And one of the biggest needs that Oklahoma City needs right now is, like, young wings because we basically have none. I mean, I guess you can count Hami as a wing, but he plays more of a shooting guard position. Basley. So, like, uh, ba- yeah, Baisley is some – but I feel like they're going to try and move Baisley to the four. Like, I feel like Tobin yeah. could definitely be somebody that could play the three – and switch off to the four whenever he need. But um, he read he redshirted his sophomore year, which is somewhat interesting. But he's 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 really a, just a kind of a pure athlete. Um, he's really good at interior scoring, shot blockings. There, he could definitely work on his three point percentage. Um, his freshman year, he averaged thirty nine percent from three, which isn't all that bad. But I mean, you know, uh, college range is different from you know. Yeah gonna drop a NBA bit. range yeah yeah exactly um he's six foot nine he has a 611 wingspan and he's 22 years of age um it's a good age to you know basically yeah. match up with Shay because Shay is 21 um the only thing that kind of bothers me is a lot of times when he's down in the post um his positioning is kind of soft and he doesn't use his lateral directioning very well so like yeah. I feel like one-on-one in the post he could kind of get exposed a lot by bigger people kind of like uh you know maybe zion or you know just any bigger player that he would play in that position so yeah but this would be like the three and not the four then yeah 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 but i mean in the nba it's like a switch oriented type league now so i mean yeah for sure so uh yeah but the Draft Express compares him to Amari Stoudemire on offense, but Jaleel Okafor on defense. So, 
that could be some sort of comparison right there. But uh, yeah, he's a he's definitely an athlete. I think his defense could use some work, but I think it's workable because he is super athletic and usually athletic people you can kind of mold if yeah. you have the right development staff. So okay, so you yeah. seem to develop defensive players pretty well. Oh yeah, well I mean they don't. I think they developed Andre. They're working on Homie right now, and Ferguson has. I mean, the second year leap he had last year was amazing as a defender. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Alrighty, do you have any more candidates to talk about? Uh, that's about all I got for this one. Okay, yeah, same here. Alrighty, so now we're gonna talk about something that we saw on Twitter a couple a couple days ago. <laughs> um, it's a trade scenario. <laughs> um, it's Donovan Mitchell. And Mike Conley for Shea Gilgis Alexander in CB3. What do you What do you think about this trade scenario? Of that Colby? for OKC, I believe, is an awful trade. <laughs> uh, yeah, just a little bit. A lot I mean, of people who... are gonna look and just see, oh, Donovan Mitchell's an All Star, and so maybe that mm-hmm. evens it out. But oh my, everything about that is a terrible. Yeah, I mean, even if that scenario pops up, you're just like, well, CP3 is an all-star, so that leaves out those the two extra players in the trade, and you have a player in Mike Conley who's lost all basically all of his motor, and he has yeah, no gas left. left. And then and then you have a 21-year-old Shea Gilgis-Alexander who's like averaging 19 points per game, and he's not even on the cusp of his potential yet. So yeah, he's just take started. that as you will. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell has not improved very much since his rookie year. Yeah, I'm just gonna say a hot take real quick. Shea's the best player in this trade. So I'm just gonna, so I'm just gonna put that out there. That is a hot take. I would say as of right now, Donovan Mitchell's the best player in that trade. But I think give it three, four years, then yeah, I think it's definitely Shea. Yeah. Well, I mean, I guess you could say that. I mean, ceiling wise, I would definitely go Shea. Yeah, but maybe in the maybe in the present, I would give the edge a little bit to Donovan Mitchell, maybe. But I'm I'm just maybe I'm much of a homer on Shea. Out so. of the two point guards, old heads in this trade, Chris Paul this season definitely better than Mike. Are, are you That's sure? You don't think you don't think Mike Conley can edge it out on CB3? I totally think. Uh, that. <laughs> I mean, Mike I Conley think. didn't play for like half of the season. Like you know, he's he's gonna be rested yeah, up when we get him. <laughs> Uh, yeah. Um, I think like get rid of Mike Conley in this trade and get rid of SGA and you just want Donovan Mitchell for CP3 straight up and maybe add like a first round or two first round picks. That could work. Uh, that's more play. arguable than yeah. CP3 getting rid of Conley in there. SGA. Like I just I don't know. Like uh, anything. I'd rather not give it to SGA in first place. So yeah, I like SGA is a cornerstone for our franchise in the future. Why would we get rid of him? Like, yeah. I don't know. And I just, I don't know. I feel like getting rid of Chris Paul, you know, they could pair him with Rudy Gobert because obviously Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are having issues. And then they're yeah. probably going to get one of the Clippers picks and one of our picks. So obviously one of those are going to be in the lottery soon, like way, way in the future because, you know, once mm-hmm. Kawhi and Paul George drop out of, the Clippers, you know, they're going to be in the lottery. So they'll have a lottery pick. Yeah, maybe. It may be sooner. Um, And then we have, you know, an Oklahoma City pick, which depending on how SGA and Donovan Mitchell mesh, you'll have a middle of the pack maybe, uh, you know, say they get injured a top 10 pick. But, I mean, I'm saying like that hypothetically SGA and Donovan Mitchell work out, you know. Yeah. But I, I just don't like this trade. I think it's kind of funny, and whoever wrote it was was kind of goofy. <laughs> I I think they were just at this point, people are just trying to stretch for any story they can. Yeah, clickbaiting. Just because I mean, that's what um, it is. People need something right now. Yeah, I mean, it's I I compared it to on the Loud City Views Twitter yesterday. I said it reminds me of like that dry period, and NBA Twitter where like the draft has happened, free agencies happened. And, like, it's, like, two months away from training camp and nobody else has really anything to talk about. Yeah. And so – but that's with every single sport right now. So Yeah, it's a yeah. dead period, except it just happens to be a dead period across all of the major sports. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, yeah, I guess we have the NFL draft to talk about, you know. Go Niners. Yeah, that'll be good. <laughs> I'm ready for that. Yeah. Yeah, after after the draft, it's going to be a kind of tough. It's going to be that, I don't think. It's oh, just, boy. Yeah. yeah. But, like, back on back onto the fit with SGA and Donovan Mitchell. That, that would be, be an interesting fit. Like I think that would be a really successful mix, to be honest. I, I I'm he- I'm like reluctant about that. Like I don't necessarily know how they would fit because I feel like Donovan Mitchell, you either play him at the shooting guard or you play him at the point guard position. I mean, I don't necessarily know where Oklahoma City wants to put Shea. He, he's showing think, that he could play point guard. I think they're wanting Shea wants to be a point guard. So yeah. I would just say. I wouldn't assign either of them point guard. I would just say they're two. They both of them are the guards, and just leave it at that. Yeah, yeah, just two ball handlers. I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then you just surround them with good defensive wings, and then you know, just three and D players. Yeah, and then they'll be. Both of them can shoot, but they're not shooters. If that makes sense. And I think Mitchell's okay on defense. He has like a six eleven wingspan, but like he's He's, really small. He's fallen off on the defensive end. Yeah. After his rookie year, but he's still yeah. pretty solid. Yeah, and like Oklahoma City does a really decent job of covering up blemishes. I mean, we covered up Melo for the longest time until that Utah Jazz series. So, yeah, just, okay, so you have a pretty good system for not good on ball defenders. Yeah, yeah. For I mean, sure. Cantor didn't look too bad for a while on defense. <laughs> yeah, until uh, he got exposed that one series. And then we had the no. Billy Donovan clip of we say, yeah, I can't play Cantor. <laughs> That was probably the funniest moment on Cantor, Oklahoma City Thunder history. That and the Stash Bros stuff. I miss the Stash Bros. Yeah, me too. I I just I remember watching the Rockets and Harden was switched on to Cantor for like three straight possessions, and then they panned on to Billy Donovan and he had his finger or like his knuckle on his like the little pose that he does when he's pissed off during the game. He said, "Yeah, I can't play cancer. <laughs> and they took him out. I was like, "Yeah, that's tough." Yeah, <laughs> like yeah, that's tough. But yeah, he had um, a real high ceiling, but he just couldn't get defense. Yeah, I mean, it just I don't know. And then we paid him seventeen million dollars that year. Yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Just, yeah, very very interesting. Yeah. Um. All right. So now we're on to our third topic. So ESPN posted a couple days, or I think it was like a day ago. I, I'm kind of lost in my days right now. Um, they two, talked probably. about, yeah, one to two, probably somewhere in that. I've slept since then. So um, one or two days ago, um, ESPN posted this hypothetical, like, uh, which would you want to see what if scenario? Uh, the first one was Derek Rose not getting injured. The Oklahoma City Thunder, big three not breaking up. Um, the CP3, the Los Angeles trade that was, like, stopped by the league. And then the LeBron versus Kobe finals. I feel like all four of these would be so interesting, but I'll let you go first. They would definitely all change the league. Yeah, for sure. I'm not necessarily – okay, it's obvious which one I would pick as an OKC fan. I would obviously pick the um, OKC Big 3 never splitting up. But one thing I'm going to say is the – my dad is a Lakers fan. so I talked to him about it, so I just asked him his opinion on it. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, the – the Lakers probably benefited more from that CP3 trade getting vetoed than they would have if they would have had CP3. You think so? Um, I do, because they were giving up in that trade Bynum, who obviously didn't play that well very long, but he was good for a championship run. And Mm -hmm. Pau Gasol, who was pretty in that championship run they had. Yeah, and like, Paul Gasol was a pivotal piece for the triangle offense. I mean, you had him on a post up yeah. and he passed out all the time. And is what like, they basically did for with Phil Jackson's system forever. I don't know if LA gets the rings that they have with that trade because they don't have the posts anymore. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Like, uh, you know, it's interesting because you think about the Lakers, that big three that they had with Bynum, Paul Gasol, and Kobe. But, like, you also have to mention that Phil Jackson was an amazing coach and he yeah. worked with Kobe's and Pal Gasol's strengths. And he really used the triangle offense to, you know, um, get shooters open like Derek, uh, Derek Fisher, 
I know he was yeah. an okay shooter, but like they would have Kobe on a post up, they would wait for the double team, and then Kobe would pass it out to a shooter, or the ball would move around the perimeter from that point. But like it was either you double team Kobe or Powell, and then you let or you don't double team them, and you risk them working you in the post. And honestly, now that I know that that was the trade details, like. I don't necessarily know how that works anymore. That I mean, you'll still have Kobe. Lamar Odom to play the post. Yeah, and Lamar Odom's okay, I guess. I don't even know if I'd say he's okay, really. He's, yeah. <laughs> he was he's, not very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I mean, maybe the Lakers pick out somebody in the buyout market at that point, but Maybe. I, I don't necessarily, I, I don't know. That's yeah. That's interesting. I, yeah, I never thought about that. So maybe it did work in their favor. Um, yeah, that's crazy. Okay. Um, I think the one, I, it's really hard not to talk about the big three, yeah. like, but I, I want to restrain from it. I feel like the Derek Rose one kind of, makes me most intrigued because before Russell Westbrook um, and then like Katie was my favorite player at the time, like Derek Rose was my second favorite player in the NBA before his knee injury. Like I remember watching, uh, I had NBA league pass at the time. I I watched the bulls and I watched the thunder most. And I love Derek Rose because of his athleticism and he had more control and like he was Russell Westbrook with more control of his body. And that's what I loved about Derrick Rose. And he won the MVP at 22 years old. Like, if he doesn't get injured that year, the Bulls are probably in the finals. They really could have been. And, yeah, like, I guess it's hypothetical to say because that Miami Heat team was really good. But, like, the Bulls were just plowing through everyone. And they had such a good, like, defensive squad with Luau Dang and Carlos Boozer. And like they were just I forget so Joakim Noah was in MVP votes around that time too. Oh yeah. I mean Joakim Noah and then you had good old Kirk Heinrich just splatting threes in people's faces. I mean people forget about him. It would have been I used to love Kirk Heinrich too. Oh yeah. It would have it would have been crazy. And then like twenty two years old, like could you imagine him in his prime? Like he gave possibly developing a jumper. Like, it would have been crazy. He gave LeBron and Cleveland trouble after all the injuries. Yeah, and uh-huh. that was with Jimmy Butler. Yeah, so like, it would have been, at- been real interesting to see D-Rose actually get to match up against people without those knee injuries. Mm-hmm. And, like, people I, – I just feel like you, you couldn't guard Rose. Like, nobody could guard him because he was so explosive off the first step. And, like, you know, like, you have players like Russell Westbrook that are really, like, strong with straight line speed. But, like, having straight line speed in a first step, like, Rose had all of those. And then he had his explosiveness and control around the rim. Like, you don't see that in players. It was, you know, a a combination that, you know, we had never seen in the NBA. And it got ruined because of a terrible knee injury. But, like, uh, it's just crazy to think about. Like, honestly, like, say – Say Rose is, you know, he doesn't have any knee injuries. I say he's like, he has two rings at this point. Wow, I, I think, I think that he would have won that one year that he got injured. Um, and then he probably would have won one in his prime, because then he would have had Jimmy Butler. Yeah, and him and Jimmy Butler would have been really good together. So mm-hmm. I say he would have two rings by this point. That is one thing to worry about. Do they still end up with Jimmy Butler if he doesn't? Uh, you know, I don't know. Like, like him and I. Like, I feel like that relationship with him and Jimmy Butler would have like been would have lasted longer if he, you know, was not dealing with so many injuries. Because, like, at the time, like Butler got so frustrated with like the Bulls culture and just being alone, and then they yeah, traded him. He wouldn't have been alone. Yeah, he would have had Derrick Rose. And thinking about that, like, what is like, that's one hell of a duo. Yeah, it is. So you have, you have, duo too. yeah, you have the, you know, like the defensive prowess.
Okay, sorry about that. We just had a cut off. Yeah, sorry, not sure exactly why that disconnected. Yeah, um, yeah, we'll just segment that, I guess. Okay, so back to that. Um, we were talking about Derrick Rose, mm-hmm. uh, and like the big three, and how I wanted to bash my head on a brick wall because I thought that the big three would win so many rings. So yeah, I'm sorry yeah. about that cut off. By the way, I don't know why that happened. Okay. Okay. Alrighty. Well, with that brick in the road, um, now we're going to talk about our my favorite point in today's podcast, and it is Katie being jealous. Most bait. A report. A report. <laughs> a report came out um, yesterday from the mixtape show. They tweeted, basically stating, "Here is an excerpt from the Victory Machine, Ethan Strauss' new book. You do not have to be a star or rising star to draw Katie's envious ire." When former Warrior bench scorer Maurice Spates returned to Oracle Arena, he got a hearty ovation from the crowd. Mo Buckets had been a fan favorite, in part due to his tremendous shooting streak. Katie, who once complained to a Warriors fan account over Twitter direct message that Spates was among the players more accepted by Warriors fans than he was not pleased. After a blowout win that followed, as he waited to take the podium stage, Durant was fixated on a TV that hung from the wall. Spates was with the local TV guys yucking it up. Mo Buckets. Durant loudly growled, shaking his head. How can you call yourself Mo Buckets when you never average 20 points a game? Yikes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that is just too funny. <laughs> what are your thoughts on this, Kobe? Oh, God. I think it's hilarious because <laughs> I don't know how anybody who is a superstar in the league, undoubted superstar, could be jealous in any way of seven points per game, <laughs> Maurice Spates. It just it blows my mind because at that point, Katie's probably the either you know, in the conversation for best player or maybe second best player in the league behind or behind LeBron and he's getting jealous because Warriors fans aren't giving him a nickname. And they're saying you're gonna call somebody Mo Buckets because they didn't they've never averaged twenty points a game. Like the the jealousy and all of that. I just like, I just don't understand. I don't I don't get it. I don't it's it just shows how toxic KD is, and that the fan exposed him in the Twitter direct messages just shows how bad he. Like I just I I have no words. <laughs> like I'm just gonna it, be honest. I'm not even jealous of Maurice Spates. Yeah, like I, and I'm not even know, in the league. That that's a good point. You know, who who's jealous of the guy that has a weird thing on his head? Like, has anybody ever figured out what that thing on his head is? You know, like, I guess it's a mole. I don't really know. Maybe it is a mole. I always thought it was like a metal piece. Maybe it's like a drill to his brain. I don't. I don't know. (laughs) You know, you never know. But I I just that really shows how salty Katie is. Like, you could be some. I feel like Katie at this point, or at any point, you know, you could be playing pickup with him. And, you know, you hit a three and you're like some random white guy like me and you. And all your friends are like, yeah, J Buckets or C Buckets. <laughs> Katie's yeah, like you and the, uh, Katie's the game that we had. Yeah, yeah. Not giving you the ball for the rest of the game. You're yeah. like every That's time it. every time Katie has the ball, you're not getting it. He, like you're open on the corner off of a pick and roll. They're double teaming Katie because, you know, he's he's the second best player in the NBA. Oh, you're open. I'm not passing it to you because I'm jealous that somebody called you at J buckets, C buckets, or Mo buckets. <laughs> like, I, oh my gosh, I, I just, I don't know. Like, there's, I just, I don't know, and it, it makes me wonder. Like, after like all of these years and all of these reports coming out, like. Kudos to the Oklahoma City Thunder press like staff for keeping Katie under wraps, because it's amazing. Hell, we never heard of any of this until he left. Yeah, well, because he had more freedom. Like the Warriors were like, you know, we're not gonna keep you under wraps like Oklahoma City does. You know. Yeah. And maybe maybe it's just because he developed into that, but part of me doesn't think that. You know, like, part of me is just, I like... I think he was the same. It just didn't come out. Yeah, because Oklahoma City is such a good organization. 
with like press stuff and leaks. Blows my mind. Like he DM'd a fan about it on Twitter. Like you, the the reach. Imagine you're just you're sitting on Twitter one day, right? You're a Warriors fan. Like you're you're so happy. You're so happy that the Warriors are like winning. They won the championship. Then all of a sudden, you're like tweeting Mo buckets after the game's done. Katie direct messages you, not even like as up in your replies. He's direct messages you, and he says, "I don't like the attention that you're giving Mo buckets or Marie Bates or weird guy, whatever you want to call him." Like, just imagine the the audacity. I just can't get that through my head. Yeah, it's so weird. It it blows my mind. And, you know, part of the reason why I feel like Warriors fans didn't like him so much was because he held so much jealousy towards all the players. And, like, all the players that came from Golden State were either drafted or they were kind of in-system guys that came in through free agency. He was a story star. Like, if Katie was complaining about that, why did he leave OKC? Like, if that's all he wanted, why did he leave OKC, you know? question like it blows my mind because he you know he goes to you know golden state to win championships and he claims i'm all about winning championships but then you see reports like this come out and he's complaining about most baits averaging seven points a game and he says how can you call yourself buckets when you never average 20 points a game and he's mad that the fans are riding his wave when he hits probably like two or three threes a game and he's mad about that. Like, I, I don't know. I just feel like he was beloved in NBC. And if that was his worry, then he shouldn't have left. But, you know, Katie's a weird guy. So, yeah. He's very hard to read. Yeah. Just, uh, he's kind of a Twitter warrior at this point. Uh, very much. Yeah. It reminds me of uh, those that Drake verse from back to back where Twitter fingers or trigger fingers turn to Twitter fingers. Like, when I think of that, I think of Katie. Yeah, that's what it seemed like ever yeah. since he left OKC. Yeah. The opinion he's gotten soft. Yeah. I feel like he's always been soft, personally. Probably. I just, it didn't, nobody knew until after. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I part... forget, before, while he was in OKC, he was supposed to be a super good guy and everything. Everybody liked him. Yeah. You know, my aunt one time, funny story. This is a story, podcast story time. Uh, my aunt, my aunt Nikki, she said one time she was at a club in Bricktown, right? And I, I'm probably like 13 years old at the time, like super KD fan. I have like four of his jerseys. Um, she 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 comes to my house and she's like, "I saw KD the other night." I was like, "Oh, for real?" And this was like after like a playoff game, so you know he obviously might have been celebrating. But my yeah, I saw him in the club, and then I went to go take a picture with him, and he just shooed me away. And I was like, "There's no way!" Like you know, KD's the cool guy on the block. Like you could see Russ doing that at the time. Cause we all thought Russ oh, was yeah. like, not the, anymore. yeah, yeah, not anymore. But he apparently like Katie shoot her away for a picture because he didn't want to be talked to at a public club, which I mean, I, I don't understand like, okay, well why go to a club then? Yeah, exactly. You know, it, it just blows my mind. But now that I think about that story, I'm just that like, makes a lot more sense now. Yeah, it does make a lot more sense. He's like, you know, like he's just a diva. And thinking back to it, like I was super defensive Katie, and he was the, you know, the guy that made an MVP speech totally about his mom. And that image is just washed away from my head. And now the only thing that I can ever think about when I either think him is game, but off the court, I think about him getting jealous about Mo buckets. <laughs> That's all that's I can think about. Be my yeah, like the fact that that's what I think about is showing you how far Katie's gone in my uh, head. In it is kind of weird that we always thought Russ was going to be the one that was going to run off to California, go home, go to a we big always, city. We always thought Russ was going to be the guy that. us yeah we were the exact opposite of what we thought actually yeah Alrighty. well um do you have anything else to talk about you want to talk about any like pop culture stuff before we go um 
I wanted to predict what I think OKC would do within the next couple of years. Yeah, we can do that. We can add that as a. All right, I believe. I believe personally that OKC will. Granted, this is if Shea stays. So if you choose to stay, because I know he's gonna have a contract come up within the next five years, I believe. Yeah. Two, maybe. Mm-hmm. I think OKC will win a championship in the next five years. In the next five years, that's 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 an interesting take. Mm-hmm. And is this with, think, is this with or without the draft pick? Say they trade for a superstar. Um, I am not gonna make that decision. I'm gonna leave that up to Presty because okay. I honestly trust him at this point with what he's done with the franchise. Has been really good. Yeah, that's, that's good. But I think with the, the place OKC and the rest of the league is in right now, yeah, I think OKC really could rise really really fast. Yeah, I could see that because you have a bunch of old teams in the West. And there's not really many young teams, I guess. Like, you have the Jazz that are somewhat young. Um, you there's have young the... players around the league, but there's no young teams really anymore. Yeah. There's, there's the Pelicans. There's the uh, – I guess you could say the Timberwolves. But I'm not counting them for anything. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not counting on the Timberwolves ever to do anything until I see it. I guess you could say the Suns. But like I'm not counting <laughs> anything. <laughs> but like the Thunder are a well-ran organization, and they have 15 first-round draft picks coming up in the future, and like they have Shea, and it just like it looks. I I could definitely see that happening, especially if Presty drafts like he did with KD, Russ, and Harden. Yeah, and yeah. one thing I'm looking at is the top teams are Milwaukee, which Giannis may leave soon if they don't win. Yeah, which the Clippers, which they could fall off really fast, mm. depending on if Kawhi leaves, if Paul Jordan gets hurt again, which is <laughs> yeah. a high possibility. Spaghetti shoulders. The Lakers, if LeBron retires from the Lakers, they're done immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, they still have and Anthony the Davis. They still have Anthony Davis. Yeah. They'd still make the playoffs. But I don't think they're title contenders with just Anthony Davis. Yeah, I mean they they can. I mean they don't really have any assets after because they traded for Anthony Davis. Exactly. It's interesting then, to think about. Wow. Huh. Other than that, and with how OKC is going to progress, they're probably going to be up there with those teams anyway. Yeah. That even if those teams didn't completely fall off, I think OKC could compete with them four or five. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. I, I've i compared this Thunder rebuild kind of sort of how like the Celtics build it back after they traded away the big three. They traded away the big three yeah. for that. Um, like the four first-round draft picks from the Nets, which they completely fleeced them of. Uh, I compare it to that because, like, you know, at the time the Cel- the Celtics were still, like, somewhat in the area of six or eighth seed every year after that, and they had a lot of mm-hmm. young talent. And then they had the Isaiah Thomas stuff happen. But, like, even when, you know, they traded away their big three, everyone was like, oh, like, the Celtics are going to be a lottery team. But they never became that. And I think that's just a testament yeah. to how, like – how well like really good franchises are ran but it also shows like the other bad negative like the other the black and white of the league like the white would definitely be like good gms fleecing you know bad teams but the the black of the league is like um just teams with terrible gms trading away a bunch of draft if Bill picks O'Brien was in the NBA. yeah it, it just you know it really shows, and like Oklahoma City can be comparable to the Celtics because a they have a really good GM and a lot of draft picks like the Celtics did, and the Celtics drafted you know Jalen Brown uh, and Jason Tatum with those draft picks. So like, could you imagine what Oklahoma City could do plus a Shea Gilgis Alexander? Oh, yeah. So yeah, that, I'm that, not that's... even looking at OKC as having a lot of draft picks. I'm looking at them at having trade bait. Yeah, and a lot. Yeah, they could you know, trade for a superstar that gets disgruntled too, you know, and they'll still like, say they, say they trade five draft picks, they'll still have 10 left, you know? It, yeah. And I saw true. one person suggesting that we could trade for even someone like Devin Booker, who is mm-hmm. going to want out of whatever they are. Yeah. And we don't necessarily, like, I guess the Suns, GM, I don't know who the Suns GM, but is, but I'm guessing that he's not a very good GM because he picked Cameron Johnson last year with, like, the 14th pick, was it? I don't really remember. Yeah. And they traded up to get Cameron Johnson. So I'm not necessarily 
saying that the Suns GM is bad, but he's he's not the best. So maybe he doesn't. Have to get the yeah, right yeah. Presty could definitely fleece him. <laughs> um, but yeah, he's done it. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I'm gonna make a Shea prediction now, since you made an Oklahoma uh-huh. City based prediction. I'm gonna say Shea's gonna be all NBA, like not not like anything specific, first, second, or third. I'm gonna say he's been gonna be an All NBA player in three years. Three, okay. Three years. I give it three years. I mean, uh-huh. think about it. He's already he's already averaging 19 points per game. Um, he's not yeah, even on the sophomore. Yeah, and he's 21 years old. You know, he made the like nine point jump from his first year. So, like, could you imagine what he does in his second, maybe third year in the league as a scorer? And he's. Yeah, he's still not even necessarily the first option on the Yeah, team. exactly. Like, you, you have CP3, who's a better scoring option than him right now. I'm you saying could, Gallinari. Yeah, got Gallinari and Schroeder. Like, you have so he's many scores. He's not even the lead option. Yeah. And he, he doesn't even make up for the whole usage rate, and he's averaging, you know, 19 points per game. Imagine what happens when he becomes the primary ball handler and his playmaking develops, like – could he be a player? See that yeah, like could could you see him becoming a player that like averages twenty and ten? Yeah, I, I could. I mean, yeah. he's already gotten twenty twenty one. Yeah, exactly. So like, I I just I don't know. I feel like it's gonna happen, and maybe that's a stretch. Maybe the All Star pick, like him being an All Star in the next two to three years, is more of a safer pick. I think but that's a yeah, I definitely think that's a guarantee. But um, yeah. Yeah, much of a hot take at this point. He already almost was this year. Yeah, and also think about it. Think about it. Everyone, there's kind of this weird transitioning happening in the league where everyone's either 30 or older, or all the really good players yeah. are younger, are like 20, 20 or in the 25 range. And Shea's yeah, a part of that you, pack. The only middle people I would say are like. Kawhi, but he's young too, I guess. So I don't even know if I yeah. count him in there. Kawhi, PG, I guess, or like Anthony Davis, maybe. But he's yeah. younger. Yeah, and like there's, there's a bunch of rising stars and a bunch of old stars. And that's yeah, it. and I mean, I guess that's good for the league because once the old stars kind of go extinct, I guess if that's the word you want to use, um, it's kind of similar to whenever OKC first started as a team too. Yeah, it was Kobe, but then way down with LeBron and D Wade. Mm-hmm. And then Katie and all the and Russell came along and it transitioned into that. So yeah, it is. It's pretty crazy yeah. to think about. Yeah. All right. You got any more Oklahoma City based predictions? Uh, not that I can think of at the moment. No. Oh, I'll make I'll make a prediction. Um, I say that Oklahoma City drafts, like not not this year's draft, but they're gonna trade up eventually. To either go top five, and they're gonna pick another MVP player. I'm not gonna name who oh. it's, who it's gonna be, but it's gonna be like the KD Russell Westbrook Harden era. They're not gonna draft three, but they're gonna draft one, and then we're gonna have two MVP caliber players on our roster. Okay, I mean, one Presty and the amount of capital we have, I could see it. Yeah, and is Presty the only G like? Has there been an, another GM that's drafted three MVPs back-to-back? I don't know. If there is, then geez, I've never heard of them. And, and Presti didn't even have the first pick all of those years. He, with the, he, drafted, no, he had third. Yeah, he second had second, King. third, and then wasn't it sixth with Harden? Russ was the fourth, and I can't remember what Harden was. I need to look that up. I forget what Harden's pick was. Let me look that up real quick. Yeah, all of Presti's questionable picks have all come late first round because OKC was already pretty set with Westbrook. Yeah. Okay, so Harden was the third overall pick. So, yeah, second, third, fourth. Yeah. So, like, OKC necessarily hasn't even had, like, a first pick. Imagine what they could do with a first pick. I just – I don't know. That would blow my mind. Honestly, I still think OKC takes each one of those players in that draft. Yeah. Let's not forget, Russ was already a stretch at four overall at yeah. that year. Well, I everyone, still think Russ yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I, everyone's knock on Russ that year was like he was just going to be an athlete, and nothing else. And I guess he was supposed to just be a defensive player, pretty much. Yeah, and like that was actually, it turned out to be like 
somewhat less than that. Yeah, like he's he's a good defensive player, but he's not like a defensive. He's not even a defensive. Yeah, minded player necessarily. Yeah, he's more of like pure ball hand that Houston has and and Oklahoma City when we had him. He was the majority ball handler for that time period. Crazy. Uh, That's pretty crazy to think about how we've drafted. Three MVPs. That's wild. That's a rare thing. It's a rare feat. Yeah, like like I said, I don't think any GM ever has, like, drafted three MVPs back-to-back-to-back, let alone three MVPs before. Like, yeah. That oh my gosh, it makes me so. It makes me so. I don't know. It just hurts me. Alrighty, well you have like any... none of them would have been as good as they are, but they would have still been good enough to get rings. Yeah, I I feel like them all, all together, on MVPs like they have, but like them all three together, but, like you yeah, said, there's still probably as many MVPs in the group. Yeah, not spread apart. Oh, that just it's crazy, it's crazy. Well. Alrighty, well, um, before I get too sad and start crying on the podcast, um, do you have yeah. anything else you want to talk about before we go? <laughs> um, and that's not necessarily a topic. I just want to mention how funny it is. I think that everybody was saying OKC ended after the Damian Lillard shot, and now we're the fifth seed, and Portland's like what, fifteen games under five hundred? <laughs> yeah, not, I need. I forget. Portland Trailblazers. I don't think that's hilarious, personally. Yeah, you'll. I I love it because like all the Blazers fans last like off season, like when we traded Paul away and Russell away, just the Damian Lord gif of like him waving at us away. I, I find and it now, funny. The complete change of fate. Yeah, <laughs> I saw an Oklahoma City fan. Um, a Blazers fan was talking about how we traded, how Damian Lord made our whole team trade away, or how he made our whole team get traded away. Um, yeah. They they posted the standings where Oklahoma City was the fifth seed, and they were like the ninth seed, and um, then they posted the like the gif of Damian Lord waving goodbye, <laughs> and I just found it. By their playoff chances. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I still do not understand people saying Lillard's better than Westbrook. Like he's had one good playoff run, and that's about it. Yeah, I, yeah. I just, I don't, I don't, I don't think that that's valid. You know, I feel like Lillard. Russ has been to the finals. Yeah, Lillard didn't even capitalize on an injured Warriors team last year in the Western Conference Finals. Yeah, like he had a terrible series. He shot like almost close to thirty percent. After shooting like yeah. 43% from like almost he a logo. Beat yeah. And CJ McCollum basically carried him in the Denver series. And then to get swept by an injured Warriors team, a KD less Warriors team, like it just blows my mind. Like he's. I think it's also funny that Denver's always top three, it seems like, in the standings, but nobody is intimidated by them at all. Oh, the, the Nuggets were one team that we. That we're a young team, but we forgot to mention. Yeah, yeah, but that's it that goes along with what I just said. I don't think anybody's ever intimidated by Denver. Yeah, well, I mean, are are you intimidated by John Mall Murray, or Gary no. Harris, or Gummy Bear? Exactly. I don't know Jokic. Like, I don't know how they get to the high seed that they are, but I am not at all intimidated by that team. They just have really good shooters. System. And it helps that Nikola Jokic is an amazing center that can pass the ball. Passing. Yeah. Like I also I'm one of the few people I don't like Jokic. Really? You don't like Jokic at all? I just hate people that get by in the league being as lazy as he is. Yeah, I could see that. I on the offensive end, he's a marvel to watch though. I mean you can have him come to the top yeah. of the key and he can, you know, dribble the he's ball. Off. Yeah. He just I just think how much better he could be if he would actually work on his body and not being a gummy bear. Yeah, yeah. He's like the Ben Roethlisberger of the NBA. (laughs) Yeah, just how much better could you be if you actually turned that fat into muscle? Yeah, he's too lazy though. We've all seen the picture of him after an overtime game, almost dying. (laughs) Oh, I remember when the triple overtime game happened between him and the Blazers. Yeah. And everyone said, 
somebody needs to be taking uh, the heart rate of Jokic right now because it's up in the 180s. <laughs> and it was hilarious. That was the funniest I've seen in yeah. a while. They're Meanwhile, like, you see Russ after a triple overtime game. He looks like he's ready for another full game. Yeah, like put the dude out there, you know, highest motor in the league. It's crazy. Uh, Although that's kind of unfair because Russ is ridiculous. Yeah. I, I heard somebody tweet out about the the Nuggets. They said they they compare them to like the young Warriors, and they were like Jamal Murray's the next Steph Curry, and that that thought <laughs> piece and that hot take just makes me laugh. Those, Murray. Those fans are yeah, I I could see them being like maybe the next Spurs, but like they don't have Greg Popovich. Like who's their coach? Yeah, he's just kind of a guy that. Uh, yeah, I can't remember right now. He's good though. I just can't remember the yeah. top of my head. I don't know. Like I feel like the Nuggets will like one day win a champion. The Mavericks. Um, it disconnected again. I think that that one was my fault because my. No, I think that was me. I actually googled the Nuggets coach on the same. Okay, you're fine. We just got to remember with Anchor. Super careful with Wi-Fi, I guess. Yeah. But, um, so we're talking about it's... Yeah, uh, uh, by the way, it's Michael Malone, the third coach. I just looked that up. Wow. Yeah, I I wouldn't think that. I think the only, like, notable coaches in the NBA for me are, like, Mike D'Antoni. Uh, I would say Steve Kerr, but he's more of a personality than a coach, if we're being real. Yeah, I agree. Because even like Greg Popovich, when he's had no talent, he get close. Yeah, this is the first year he's really been bad. Out of the picture. Yeah, I feel like Greg Popovich is slowly getting to his retirement ceremony. Uh, yeah, he probably needs to. Yeah, legendary coach, but it's just not yeah. his time anymore. Yeah, I mean, Spurs had an amazing run though, so that's all uh, that matters. Couldn't have had that him. without him. That's for sure. Yeah, for sure. Alrighty, well, um, with a show full of cutoffs, I feel like that's all we really have to talk about. Yeah. Like, that's the rest. Um, But yeah, this will probably be the end of our podcast. Colby, do you want to plug any of your social medias before we go? Uh, I'm Colby D. Turner on both Twitter and Instagram, if you want to follow on that. Okay. Um, You can follow, you know, me on the Thunder account. Uh, It's Loud City Views. That's the Thunder handle. And then if you want to follow my personal account, it's like J underscore Takio, if I'm not mistaken. So, yeah. And then, yeah. (laughs) And then uh, you can hit up the website where I post all my articles. I have like two articles posted on there. I'll probably be writing a lot more since, you know, quarantine vibes. Um, But it's loudcityviews.wordpress.com. So, yeah, go check that out where I post articles every now and then. But, yeah. Other than that, uh, that'll probably be the end of the podcast. Colby, you got any last words? Uh, no, I think I'm about out for this one. Yep. Alrighty. Thank you for tuning into our first episode. Um, we'll have episode two hitting you very soon. So yeah, you guys have a nice day. Thank you for tuning in to the Loud City Views podcast. You guys have a nice day. Thank you so much. Yeah. Right.